one because we always use those. There's a couple blue ones on the back table back there. So go ahead and grab one if you need one. <clears throat> what book have we been studying? Okay, good. I, I try every week to make it as easy as possible for you guys. So you guys are excited about Thanksgiving, right? Who's, I want to know who's traveling for Thanksgiving? A couple of you. Who's staying home? Who has no idea what your family's doing for Thanksgiving? Uh, I figured there'd be a couple of you. You're staying home, but you're not. Uh, uh, maybe. I don't know. Okay. How many of you? <clears throat> hey, guys. How many of you have ever had your parents make you play that game at Thanksgiving that so many families play where you go around the table and say something you're thankful for? Does, it, does anybody not like that game? There's a couple of you. That's, that's kind of what I figured. I, I asked that. I asked that question because, hey guys, I asked that question because this is a natural time of the year where our minds, our brains start thinking about just this idea of Thanksgiving. Now, let's be honest. Most of us are thinking more about the turkey and the food and the football and the naps. That's what y'all are thinking about Thanksgiving, right? For the most part, what's that? Yeah, some of you anyways. But, but, this whole idea of stopping and taking a moment to remember what you're thankful for, that's very important as, as believers, as disciples of Jesus Christ. That's important for us to do in our lives. And what we see tonight, tonight we're, we're finishing. We've walked through this entire book of Philippians over the last couple months. And tonight we're going to finish chapter 4. We're going to finish the entire book. And what we see in this last portion tonight is we see Paul talking about this idea of being thankful. Now, he's talked about a lot of other things as we've walked through this book. He's talked about how as believers, we're supposed to keep our lives centered on Jesus. How as believers or as disciples, that the, the joy that we can have in Christ only comes through him. Remember, joy is different than happiness. Happiness comes and goes. Sometimes we're happy, sometimes we're not. But we can have a contentment and a joy when we're pressing into Jesus Christ. And as we get to the end of this book tonight, what Paul is doing is Paul is taking a moment to be thankful. And he's thankful for the people who have partnered in ministry with him. And he's thankful for God who's taken care of him during all of this. So before we go through and we read this and we kind of see what he's doing there, I want to ask you guys the questions I ask you every time we walk through a book of the Bible. Who wrote this book? Somebody said James. Is that what you said over here? What? Jail? Oh, you said jail. Right answer, wrong. I'm like, why did you say James? Right answer, wrong question. Who wrote it? Where was he when he wrote it? Jail. Y'all are really excited about that one. Okay. When do we think he wrote it? 61 to 62 AD. No, not 1992. You weren't even born then. All right. Hey, why did he write it? Two reasons. To encourage and to warn. To encourage the believers to keep Jesus as the center of their lives. To warn them about false teachers. To warn them to make sure that the gospel, the truth of scripture, is what they centered on. And did I skip any questions? Who was it written to? Which was made up of what kind of people? Gentiles. Yeah, Gentiles. There were some Jewish people who were Jewish by nationality. They would have known about God. But there were a lot of people who didn't grow up learning the Old Testament scriptures. And yet they heard the gospel of Jesus. 
and they ask for his forgiveness and they put their faith and their trust in him. So that's the background of this book that we've been walking through. So tonight, I'm going to ask you to do what I always ask you to do. We're going to read a big passage of scripture. I'm going to ask you to stand in honor of the reading of God's word. And Mr. Brock is going to come up here and read it for us tonight. Y'all give it up for Brock. You can use that one right there. I rejoice in the, in the Lord greatly that now in the, you have revived your concern for me. You were, in, you were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I'm to be concerned. I know how to I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I've learned the secrets of facing penalty and hunger, abstinence and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble with him. Philippians yourself know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia. Macedonia. Thessalonica. <laughs> you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to credit to your credit. I have received full payment and more I am well supplied. Having received from Ephroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory. Same in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with us. All right, let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity to come together. Lord, I thank you that we can spend time in your word tonight. Lord, help us to be different because we've been in your word tonight. Help us to be different because we've been together in your presence. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Mr. Brock. Nicely done. Nicely done. So, hey, I've told you guys this before. If any of you guys are willing, I know it it takes some courage to get up here and do that because there's some hard words in there, aren't there? All right, there's some hard words. But, hey, don't don't be scared. Get up here and try it sometime. I would love to have any of you come up here and read on a Wednesday night. So that's a really big chunk of Scripture, verses 10 through 23. So let's, let's back up and let's break this down just a little bit, and let's see how Paul is expressing his thanks here. He started off in verse 10. He said this. He said, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. So the very first thing we see Paul doing right here is that he's, it's something he's pointed to through the entire book. Remember, there's one word or one variation of a word that he's talked about 16 times in this book. What is it? Joy. The idea that joy is is available in your life when Christ is the center of your life. And he says right there, his joy, he says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you've revived your concern for me. What is Paul rejoicing in? Who said it? He's rejoicing in what? Let me read that again. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. What's he rejoicing in? Hey, he's rejoicing in God. Yeah, it's, it's right there in black and white. He's rejoicing in God. Because what Paul has talked about through this entire book, guys, that is the only place that you can find true joy. That's the only place you can find true contentment. And he's saying that he's finding that joy in the Lord. 
because these believers have revived their concern from him. <coughs> Y'all got to excuse me. Now, what this doesn't mean, this doesn't mean they forgot about him. Because it says there, you, you've revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. This doesn't mean that, that they cared about him and they took care of him. And then they decided that they, they weren't going to do that anymore. And they forgot about him for a while. And now they've started taking care of him again. What they've done here is what this means. It's, it's a new opportunity that they have to show their love for Paul. They hadn't forgotten about him. They just didn't have the ability to provide for him. They didn't have a way to take up an offering, to take gifts and get it to him until now when he's in prison here. It's, it's kind of like this. The desire was there, but the ability wasn't there. For instance, how many of you had signed up to go to camp back in 2020? There's a couple of you in here. Do you guys remember what happened with camp in 2020? It got canceled, right? So we had the desire to go there, but we did not have the ability to go there. But as soon as we got the chance to go in 2021, what did we do? We went. So we revived that desire. We, get, we got packed up. We loaded the vans. We left it stinking early in the morning and drove all the way to North Georgia for a great week of camp. That's exactly, which by the way, we are going to camp again this summer. So make sure you sign up. You'll be hearing about that soon. But that's exactly what's going on here. Paul said, hey, I know that you wanted to support me. You wanted to show your care for me. You just didn't have the ability or the opportunity to do that. But now they have. And Paul is saying, hey, I'm, I'm thankful for what you've given. I'm thankful for that love and that provision in his life. And then he takes the next few verses to kind of clarify what he's talking about. Look at what verse 11 says. He says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So Paul says, hey, I'm thankful for what you've done, but he doesn't want the Philippians to think that his contentment, his joy that he has found here, his thankfulness is only because they've given him things. He doesn't want there to be any confusion there. Now, we know from chapter 2, if you go back and you read earlier in the book, this guy that, that, that uh, Paul mentioned in this passage by the name of Epaphroditus, he came from the church of Philippi. He brought a gift to Paul from that church. So they've supplied for his physical needs. But Paul is saying, that's not why I'm thankful. Says, Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm grateful for that. But he's reminding them that he has learned that whether they had sent that gift or not, he still learned how to be content with what God's given him. He's thankful for their love. He's thankful for their gift. But his joy is not dependent on what he's received or the circumstances he finds himself in. Remember, where is he again? Jail. He's in a place we don't want to be. And yet, in that place, he says he's content. And over and over again, it says he rejoices. He tells us in that passage, it says he knows how to be brought low. He knows how to be on top of the world. He knows that when, when things are falling apart and things are going great, when he's found himself hungry and when he's found himself having plenty to eat, in all of those circumstances, he's learned to be content no matter what's happening in his life. And that can only happen for him because his life is centered on the relationship he has with Jesus Christ. And the reason that matters for us is because the only way we are ever going to find joy in our lives is when our lives are centered on Jesus Christ. 
because there's going to be times in your life where you have plenty more than you could ever hope for and there may be times in your life where you don't know where your next meal is going to come from and 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 i'm not naive enough to think that there's not people in this room that are on those two extremes tonight and yet in all of those situations in everything that paul faced what he's trying to help us understand here is that god's love no matter what your circumstances are whether you've got a great intact family whether your family is falling apart whether you live in a mansion whether you live and you well you don't know where you live because you're not sure where you're sleeping tonight paul says in all of those situations you can still be content when you're resting in christ Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to have everything we want when we put our faith and trust in Jesus. But Scripture does tell us that God will give us that joy and that contentment to know that He's going to provide for what we need, even when we can't see how He's going to do it. That's what Paul is talking about here. That contentment and joy, they're found when you focus on Christ, no matter what your circumstances are. And that's that's my prayer for you guys. That's my prayer for myself that we will learn to have joy and be content and thankful no matter what God does in our life or no matter how those things play out. But that last verse, verse 13, I want to make sure we don't misunderstand something there. Let me read that again. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How many of you have seen that verse somewhere before? Okay, a lot of people. And a lot of times where we see that verse, I know a lot of places that I've seen it, I've seen it worn by athletes, you know, with little little stickers under their eyes or on their jerseys or their hands, or it'll be on t-shirts and, and, and people who are, you know, going out for the Olympics and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But here's the thing, the way we see that verse used a lot of times is completely out of context from what Paul is taking, talking about right here. Most times when we see that verse, when we hear that verse, it's somebody saying, hey, I'm getting ready to do something really difficult, like a sporting event, and I know that I can succeed here because God's going to bless my efforts. And I'm not saying that he won't, but that's not what that verse is talking about. What he's talking about right here is he's saying that no matter what happens in your life, you are content. That whether you're facing great times or whether you're facing hard times, you can face those things because you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Does that mean God will help you succeed at sports? Maybe. Does that mean he may let you lose a lot? That's possible too. You can do that through Christ as well. That's what that passage is talking about. And that's why we've got to make sure that we always, when we look at scripture, we've got to make sure we read something in context so we understand exactly what's going on. And that is what Paul is trying to help us understand here. And he's trying to help us understand that that the, the, the relationships that we have in our lives, the circumstances that we have in our lives, they're going to change. For some of you in here right now, life may be going absolutely great. You wouldn't change a thing. For some of you in here right now, you hope nobody finds out what a mess your life is right now. And yet what Paul is saying here is that whatever you have going on right now, whatever may come in your life, your joy and your contentment, they're not dependent upon those things. Your happiness is going to change and it's going to be affected. But if you're pursuing Jesus and pressing into him, those circumstances, good or bad, don't have to rock your world because you can be constant in that relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul knew that and Paul lived that and that's why he's able to write words like he's written here. And because he was a man just like we are, human, 
messed up, making mistakes on a regular basis, if he can focus and center his life on that relationship with Christ, so can we. And that's what he's challenging us to do. That is what makes it such a blessing when there are people in your life that genuinely love you and care for you. And that's the thankfulness that Paul is talking about here. He goes on in verse 14. He says, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. He says, hey, I'm content in, I'm content in Christ, but by the way, I'm grateful for you. It was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. So the, these believers, these disciples of Jesus in this church at Philippi, they haven't experienced what Paul was going through, and yet they partnered with him through the entire experience. In fact, at one point in time, it says right there, they were the only ones who were partnered with him. And he's saying, I'm thankful for what you guys have done. I'm thankful for you coming alongside of me in ministry for providing for the willingness to stand with him and even commit to support him in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul is saying, church, I'm thankful. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for being there for me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for providing for me. When even nobody else was willing to do that, you stood by me. Paul's saying, thank you. And he does that, but I love the way Paul does this. He doesn't stop and say, hey, it's all about me. He redirects their attention so that it doesn't stay about Paul. Look at what he says in verse 17. He says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Paul is talking about what they've done for him like they were making an investment. I mean, look at that language there. He says, I, I, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. What they've done is they've provided for Paul physically. They've, making sure that he's, they've made sure that he's taken care of. But more importantly, what Paul is saying is, hey, what you've done, yes, it benefited me. But more importantly, what you've done for me has helped to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've taken care of me, and because you've taken care of me, you've served God, and you've served other people. Paul is saying, it's not about me. I'm, I'm just the avenue through which you've been able to do this. He said, you've advanced the gospel here. He thanks them for their help, but he points them to the fact that there's a greater reward for what they've done. And this is where we get this mixed up sometimes. Sometimes we sign up for mission trips, and we sign up to serve, and we sign up to help other people, and we do it because we get a really good feeling when we do it. And, and you do, because you've, you've made somebody's life better. But that's not why we're supposed to do those things. We're supposed to do those things because we're trying to show the love of Christ to people. And Lord willing, when we do those things, we have a chance for the gospel to advance into the lives of other people. So the truth is, it's not about whether we get a good feeling or not. It's about that that's what God's called us to do. And when we do that, we're honoring him with our lives. And scripture tells us that he's going to take care of us in the end. That's what he says there in verse 19. Let me read it again. He said, let me get to the right page. 
in verse 19, it says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. He's reminding them that it's God the one, is the one that supplies everything. Hey guys, what this church sent to Paul, the gift that they scraped together, the gift that they had to work to get and put together and send to Paul, all of that came from God in the first place. God is the one that gave them the ability to do that. God is the one that gave them the desire to do that. Remember, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Anything that happens in your life that is about God is because God has willed it and worked it in your life. It's not because we're good people. It's not because we're great and we can do all of this awesome stuff. It's because God has given us the desire to do it, and then God gives us the ability to do it. And that's what Paul is reminding them of. Everything that you have done, you've done it because God has given you the ability to do it, and God has given you the desire to do it. And because you've done that, the gospel is going to keep advancing. It's not about Paul. It's not about church. It's about God. And that's what he's talking about there. Paul is illustrating what it looks like to care for others the way he wrote about in chapter 2. Back in Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4, he said, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And he goes on and he says, Have this mind that is in you that is in Christ. You are able to be united. You are able to do these things. You are able to advance the gospel when you are working together. Not so everybody can say, oh, you guys are awesome. But you can do this because you're focused on who God is. And as you do that individually, as you press into Christ, he brings your minds together and gives you the desire and the ability to do things like this church has done for Paul. That's precisely what this church, this group of disciples has done. They've given sacrificially and provided for Paul. And because of it, Paul is thankful. And now he closes the letter with these last couple verses. Look at what he says in verse 20. He says, To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Christ, of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. So even as he closes this book, everything that he's talked about, he is still keeping the focus of everything going on here on God. He's reminding them that the purpose of the life of a disciple is to bring glory to God. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. <coughs> he says, guys... It's all about God. It's always been about God. It's supposed to always be about God. This is where your focus is supposed to be. And then he, 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 he does this thing. He closes this with a reminder that says, if you're all about God, if you're all about that relationship with Jesus Christ, then it should show. Then other people should be able to see it. He talks about this affection here. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. We, we see that in that command there that we're supposed to greet every saint. What that means is this is how he started the, the, the book. He started writing to the saints and the church at Philippi. He's saying, hey, every one of you that has put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, every one of you that calls yourself a disciple, you are connected in him. And he refers to them as saints. He used the same word for everyone in this room that's put their faith and trust in Jesus. He says that connection 
brings a love, not because you particularly care for each other because you have great personalities, but it brings a love because you have the love of Christ in you. And that love looks beyond the things that get on our nerves. And that love looks beyond the personality differences and those people that we can't stand in the room. And it says, I love you because you're my brother and you're my sister in Christ. What that means is we have to get over ourselves. That's exactly what Paul is saying here. He's saying, greet each other. Let the world see your love for each other. Greet other believers as you see them. The people that are with me, they do the same. They love you. They will greet you. They will welcome you because we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And that love allows each and every one of us to show love to each other because we are co-laborers in the gospel of Jesus. That's how we can do that. That's why we can do that. And, And I want you to make sure you don't miss something here. Because even as he's closing this book, Paul shows us the power of the gospel. Look at what it says in verse 22 again. It says, all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Paul is showing us right there, guys, that even in a bad situation, the gospel can advance. Where is Paul? He's in jail. And yet in jail, guess what he's been doing? He's been talking to people about Jesus. Look at what it says right there again. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Caesar, leader in the Roman Empire. What's that? Nero. Paul has influence in that house as a prisoner. This this is not somebody, Caesar's not somebody that believes in God. Caesar's not somebody that's put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He heads a household. He heads all of these people. And these are people who don't follow the same God Paul follows. And yet, through his imprisonment, let me read it again. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. So while Paul has been in prison... Paul has still been sharing the gospel. And through that time, through that process, the gospel, as powerful as it is, has penetrated the lives of some of the people who are in Caesar's own household. Guys, there's times where we find ourselves in situations that we don't like, situations we wish we could change, and we can't wait to get out of those situations. And yet that may be exactly where God wants you because that may be where he needs you to share the gospel. That's what happened with Paul. He's in prison. And because he pursued Christ, because he kept Christ at the center of everything he did, God used him to change the lives and eternity of people all the way into the household of Caesar. That's huge. Guys, the gospel is unstoppable. When we keep Christ as the center of our lives, when we focus on that, he can do things that we never dreamed of. No matter what your circumstance is, no matter what's going on in your life, God can still work in and through you the same way that he did here with Paul because the gospel penetrates the hardest hearts in this world. And Paul tells the church at Philippi that it is their partnership and the power of God that has done every bit of that. He's thankful for these fellow disciples And he's thankful to God. So I want to ask you a question tonight as we close. Who are you thankful for tonight?
I know your, your mom, your dad, maybe your brothers and sisters, maybe, don't answer that. But truly, if you stop for a second and think about it, who has come alongside of you and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus? Who has sat down with you and talked you through things going on in your life and pointed you back to Christ? Who is it in your life that has lifted you up in prayer? Who has helped you draw closer to God? I want to challenge you tonight as, as we stand up and we start to sing. I want to challenge you not to stay where you are. If there's even one person in your life that has been like that for you, the way Paul has been thankful for the people in the church at Philippi, if there's been one person, I want to challenge you to get up, come down here, get on your knees before God and thank him for that person. And pray for that person. Lift them up. Pray for them the way that they have prayed for you. Be an encouragement to them the way they've been an encouragement to you. And hey, take it one step further. Maybe you even go tell them if they're in this room tonight. Maybe instead of praying here, maybe you go pray for them and thank them. Guys, this, this is a great time of year for us to think about being thankful. And if you're here tonight and you have a relationship with Jesus Christ because someone shared the gospel with you, you've got a lot to be thankful for. And you've got at least one person to thank. Don't miss that opportunity tonight to thank God and thank whoever God has put in your life that points you towards him. Let me pray for us. God, we do thank you for today. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for who you are. And God, I pray that as, as we as we get up to sing right now, God, as we go through this next week and we think about Thanksgiving, Lord, help us to focus on the people you've put in our lives that partner with us. God, that encourage us, that love us, that lift us up in prayer. God, I pray right now that you'll help every one of us in this room. Give us one name tonight that we can be thankful for. And if you're here tonight and, and you don't have anybody that's encouraged you like that or prayed for you like that, or that's ever pointed you towards Christ, that can change tonight. Because the biggest thing you can ever be thankful for is to know that you've been forgiven know that your sin, your past failures don't define you. To know that there is a room full of people right here, right now, most of them you may not even know, but they love you. They love you because God loves you. And because he made you to have a relationship with him through his son Jesus, who died for your sins on a cross. And all you have to do is say, God, I'm a sinner can't forgive myself, but I know you can. Please forgive me of my sin. I want to follow you with my life. The scripture says, in that moment, you belong to him and nothing can take you away from him. And if that's you tonight, when we stand, when we start singing, <laughs> I'm going to be up front. We've got adults around the room. We've got adults in the back. We would love to talk to you go see one of them.
Don't be scared. Don't be afraid. If you are, grab a friend and take them with you. If you've already got a relationship with Christ, take a moment tonight. Thank God for the person that shared the gospel of Jesus with you. Thank God for the people that lift you up, that encourage you, that pray for you. Maybe you can go tell them if they're in this room. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Stay in the